Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. A judge has ruled that a San Bernardino County school district must hold off on enforcing a policy that requires school staff to notify parents if a student identifies as transgender. From KVCR, Madison Ament reports. San Bernardino Superior Court Judge Tom Garza ordered the Chino Valley School District to temporarily suspend the policy as a lawsuit filed by California's Attorney General progresses. Brenda Walker is the president of the Associated Chino Teachers. That's the teachers union that opposes notification. Walker says she's relieved. We appreciate Attorney General Bonta's swift action and we do appreciate Um, the judge considering the safety and the well-being of our students. A spokeswoman for the Chino Valley District said in an email, staff will respect the ruling. It's the latest turn in a fight over LGBTQ issues between California officials and a handful of local school boards dominated by conservative majorities. Supporters of transgender notification policies say parents have a right to know how their child identifies at school. For The California Report, I'm Madison Ahmet in San Bernardino. And later today in Orange County, the Orange Unified School District will decide whether they will implement a similar parent notification policy. Greg Goodlander is the president of the Orange Unified Education Association, the union representing educators in the district. This policy is risking wasting district resources and attention when they should be focusing on providing safety and and education to our students and retaining great staff. This policy is not needed. Goodlander says he's worried this could open up the district to similar litigation faced by Chino Valley. Meanwhile, earlier this morning in Placer County, the Rockland Unified School Board approved a similar gender identity policy. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. In San Diego, the Black Panther Party is recruiting new members. Decades ago, the U.S. government spread misinformation that caused the party to become mostly inactive. Now, the San Diego chapter is one of many reviving across the country. KPBS reporter Katie Heisen explored the renewed effort to return all power to the people. A room in the Malcolm X Library in Valencia Park fills with chatter. More than a dozen people arrive for a meet-and-greet with the Black Panthers. Half a century later, their 10-point platform remains the same. Number two, we seek and establish avenues of proper living wage employment for our people and continuously disregard the practice of codependency through systemic and systematic modes of oppression. But copies are being passed into a new generation of hands. At one end of the table sits their Minister of Information, a 24-year-old in all black, curly hair spilling out of a black beret. I like my speech and my action to align. So if I'm saying I'm a panther, then you're going to see a panther. (laughs) She goes by Fiel. A lot of us prefer the pseudonyms just for um, identity protection because the counterintelligence programs are still operating against black radical organizations. Fiel had been hunting for an outlet for what she calls revolutionary change. But I wasn't really vibing with a lot of the movements that were happening around me. She says she mostly saw protests with no follow-up. So we're here, we're angry, and then literally nothing is changing. She learned about the Black Panthers in a TV documentary and looked to see if they were still around. She joined the local chapter last year. They run a community garden, feed unhoused people, and run a free store on what used to be a notorious site of gang activity. They file complaints against the police and observe stops in their neighborhoods. Through the programs, they teach the community how to empower themselves. The Panthers were mostly active in the 1960s. Their iconic black berets, brought out of the history books and back into the streets of San Diego, grab attention. Every time we go out, it's always like that. They're like, oh my God, there's Panthers? Y'all are Panthers, what are you doing? (laughs) Can I ask what your family thought about you getting involved? I didn't tell them at first. (laughs) She says she was nervous about what they might think. Fiel and the Panthers face a lie that has survived across decades. They're a black hate group. Uh, They're just a black version of the Ku Klux Klan. Michael Odom, SDSU Africana Studies professor. These are all things that were put out to deliberately mislead. Misinformation put out by the FBI, Odom says who saw their organizing and socialist ideology as a threat. The government's efforts caused the Black Panthers to go largely inactive by 1970, but they reconvened for a 50th anniversary in late 2016. Uh, This was around the time of a guy by the name of Alfred Alongo was was killed in Alcohol. Alongo, Black, unarmed, and in mental crisis, was shot and killed by the police who were called to assist him. Original members decided the community still needed the Black Panther Party, so they brought it back to life. Police violence is one of many issues the Panthers organized around in the 60s that persists today. Right at the moment that the Panthers were organizing against incarceration, there was less than a tenth of the people in prison then that are in prison now. It's not just in San Diego. 
the Panthers are reviving in places across the country to address worsening issues like incarceration, housing, and food insecurity. But San Diego Panthers Chief of Staff Karan Fields says their vision is bigger than their service projects. These are band-aids. These are programs designed for survival, right? This isn't the end goal. The goal, he says, is to empower the community to change their conditions, end the need for Band-Aids, end the need for the Black Panthers. As long as we need Panthers, then, then our job isn't done. The party now vets new members, including background checks. There's also a new multicultural branch called the Panther Party, and they don't open carry guns. The most serious weapon we carry around is an ink pen. For The California Report, I'm Katie Heisen in San Diego. And that's the California Report for Thursday, September 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery. On the web at SchmidtOcean.org. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.